0: Now on Sunday Extra, we're going to talk words and one of the most famous compilations of words, the Oxford English Dictionary, which it turns out has a statistical bias in favour of words that appear in Queensland newspaper, The Courier-Mail. That's just one of the amazing facts uh, resulting from the huge ongoing collaborative effort behind the Oxford English Dictionary. And it's one of the stories of of the lives behind those collaborations, which are revealed in a new book, The Dictionary People, The Unsung Heroes Who Created the Oxford English Dictionary. It's written by Australian linguist Dr Sarah Ogilvie, Senior Research Fellow in the Faculty of Linguistics, Philology and Phonetics at Oxford University, and I spoke with Sarah earlier.
1: It's great to be with you. Hello, Julian.
0: Sarah, could you just start by recapping for us? How many people contributed to that huge first edition of the Oxford English Dictionary, and then we'll talk about how many of them you managed to track down.
1: Okay. Well, that was a question that I had for most of my working life because we knew that the Oxford English Dictionary was the great crowdsourced project of the 19th century. Really, it was the Wikipedia of the 19th century, but we never knew exactly who all those people were until eight years ago, I was down in the basement of Oxford University Press, where the dictionary archive is stored. And I came across this dusty box, I took the lid off, and inside was this little black book tied with cream ribbon. And when I opened it, I immediately recognized the impeccable handwriting of Sir James Murray, who was the longest serving editor of the dictionary. And this was his address book, So we now know that there were 3,000 people and he noted their names and addresses, but also every book that each person read and the number of words and quotations that they sent in from every book. And I was curious about them and I've spent the last eight years researching every one of them. And so, yes, we now know that there were 3,000. There were a lot more women than we expected and there were more Australians. There were probably around 200 Australians, but in particular, there were five men living in Melbourne who were particularly devoted and obsessive in collecting Australian words, and especially Australian Indigenous words.
0: And even though they were all part of the same project, I gather they didn't get
1: on very well. (laughs) They didn't. They were five men who went from Britain to work at the Melbourne Grammar School when it first opened. And then they all moved on to the University of Melbourne. And this was a very contentious group. One of them was the head of Trinity College. Another one was the head of Queen's College. There was some competition amongst them. And they did not get on, but they all kept very devoted to the dictionary. And one of them Edward Ellis Morris, he collected so many Australian words and he sent them all to Oxford. And Sir James Murray said, you really have so many words here that you should create your own Australian dictionary. And that's what he did. In 1898, he published the first Australian historical dictionary, which is basically the Australian version of the Oxford English Dictionary. And it was called Austral English. And it's a wonderful dictionary. And I really want more people to know about it and appreciate it.
0: And a semi-authorised spin-off by the sound of things. You really did discover some amazing characters. I mean, the list that you describe of not one, but three murderers, a pornography director, Karl Marx's daughter, a president of Yale, uh, the one that we could spend hours talking about, the inventor of the tennis net adjuster, uh, a pair of lesbian writers who wrote (laughs) under a male pen name and a cocaine addict found dead in a railway station lavatory. A pretty solid list. And there are some amazing stories in the book. Could you just pluck one of those stories out for us, Sarah, and just give us a bit of a glimpse of the sorts of people that you discovered through your eight-year obsessive research into this not-so-little black book.
1: Yes. So one of my favorites was someone who actually was very difficult to track down. His name was Thomas Austin, and he sent in the most slips. So he sent in 165,000 slips just over a 10-year period. But another one was Alexander John Ellis, who was a very eccentric character. At the age of 11, his mother's cousin had a windfall and had a lot of money and said, I will give my fortune to your son if he changes his name from Sharp to Ellis, so he did, and that therefore meant that this very brilliant child who grew up, then went to Eton, went to Trinity College, Cambridge, he then never had to work, so he devoted himself to writing about British pronunciation, and he ended up helping Sir James Murray on the pronunciations in the Oxford English Dictionary. One of the very colorful things about Alexander John Ellis was he wore a huge overcoat, which he nicknamed Dreadnought, which was actually the name of a battleship at the time. And this overcoat had 28 pockets, each of them filled with some eccentric item, such as a tuning fork some nail clippers, and two items which he always carried for others. One was a scone, just in case friends got pecky. And the other one was a corkscrew, which, again, was thinking of others because he was actually a teetotaler and he never drank. But this kind of thoughtfulness really comes through with all of the dictionary people. They did this job for free. They volunteered their time. And without them, the dictionary, frankly, would never have existed. So we have them to thank. I think of them as the unsung heroes of the Oxford English Dictionary, because until now, we haven't known who they are. But one really sweet finding And I talk about this in Z for Zealots, which is the final chapter. So basically, there are 26 chapters. And in the final chapter, I talk about a modern day dictionary person, because even though the dictionary today has 75 people working on it, Daily, they still do rely on contributions from the public. And when I first started to work as an editor on the dictionary 35 years ago, I used to open the post every day. And once a month, someone from Brisbane, a Mr. Chris Collier, would send in a bundle of slips that were eccentrically wrapped in cornflake packet boxes with bits of dog hair stuck on them and things. And inside were slips all from one single source the Brisbane Courier-Mail newspaper, and over a period of 30 years, he sent in over 100,000 slips from the Courier-Mail. And I remarkably had the opportunity to meet him And I went to Brisbane, which is my hometown in 2009, and met him in a park behind the Paddo Tavern, which he referred to as his office. He was a terrific eccentric person. And there I met him and I said to him, Mr. Collier, you've contributed so many Australian words. We would love to fly you to Oxford and show you the workings of the dictionary. Would you be open to that? And he thought for a second and he said, oh, but I couldn't possibly just imagine all the courier mails waiting for me when I got home. <laughs> so Mr. Collier is just one of 3000 people who are incredibly devoted and obsessive. And it's thanks to them that the dictionary exists.
0: And I must say, my heart was warmed when you wrote about trying to spearhead the campaign to get Chris Collier an Order of Australia. Unfortunately, he didn't live long enough for that dream to come true. But uh, it must have been nice for him to know that the work that he was putting in was being recognised.
1: Exactly. And finally, now we are all learning about him. And I must say that I've been really heartened to discover that readers of the book they all talk about Mr. Collier after reading the book. So he is certainly one of the reader's favorite people. Yeah.
0: Did you discover from him how it was that he first came to the idea of contributing to the dictionary?
1: Yes. He told me that he left school at 14 and he ended up working in the the Queensland government. This is a common theme across the people. Um, Most of the dictionary people were not the scholarly elites who we might have expected, but they were the amateurs. They were the people who taught themselves and who were autodidacts. In fact, James Murray, the chief editor himself, was also an an autodidact and he left school at 14. So Mr. Collier told me that it was in 1974, he was reading, surprise, surprise, the Courier Mail. And there was an article there in which, The chief editor of the OED at the time, a New Zealander called Bob Birchfield, was putting out again an appeal to people around the world to read their local books, send in their local words for the supplement of the OED. And Mr. Collier read this and thought to himself, this is what he said to me. He said, I thought, imagine if I can get one word into the Oxford Dictionary. Well, he got many, many more than that.
0: (laughs) Well, Sarah, I'm sure as a scientific lexicographer, you love all your words equally, but do you have a favourite entry in the first edition?
1: Do you know, now that you ask me, yes, I discovered um, in this book, and I talk about it in the end for New Zealanders chapter, which is where the Aussies are mentioned – it was amazing that James Murray, thanks to these men in Melbourne, put in a lot of Australian words. And they weren't just your usual, you know, kookaburra and kangaroo. They were more unusual ones. And the most unusual one that I had never heard heard of was the word brickfielder, which James Murray defined as a hot wind that blew across Sydney carrying dust from the Brickfields. So that for me, I think, just shows the detail and the wide net that they cast to create that dictionary. So Brickfielder, I think, is probably one of my favourites.
0: But there are so many to love in the book. It's a fantastic read and it's been great speaking with you, Sarah Ogilvie. Thanks so much for joining us on Sunday Extra.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Dr. Sarah Ogilvie is a senior research fellow in the Faculty of Linguistics, Philology and Phonetics at Oxford University and the author of the book The Dictionary People, the unsung heroes who created the Oxford English Dictionary.
1: Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.